Hey guys, it's uh, actually Sunday, like the week before this is going to come out probably, who knows, I change my mind whenever I want, because this doesn't really, it's not professional, but uh, yeah, I was sitting in my basement and I kind of wanted to fall asleep after we put Remy down, but uh, I can't fall asleep at 7.45, so thought I'd go on a drive and uh, talk about profits. I actually wanted to stay home, but uh, this needs to come out sometime, so might as well be now. Hey, happy whatever day this comes out. I like doing this podcast because... Um, I can do it as long as I want, as short as I want. I could talk about whatever I want, and uh, it's really nice. You know, this subject that I actually want to talk about today is a, like, huge deal for me personally. There's so much uh, that I, I feel about this, that I think about this. And one of the things I, I have uh, been waiting on, maybe, is just... The fact that I, I want it to be like good, not, not even for you. I just feel like I have so many thoughts, but then I remembered a couple things. Number one, the longer I wait, the, the bigger it gets in my mind. And so then I end up never doing it because it just feels like this huge, not insurmountable, but it just feels like a very, it, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then secondly, if I ever want to say anything again, I can say something again. It's my podcast. And I don't even know if anyone's listening. So it's really just for me to record my thoughts. And it's just more helpful for me to get them out when I have them. So today, um, I wanted to talk about profits. And uh, there's there's a lot about them. And I don't I definitely don't think I'm going to convey all of my thoughts today. Not, not because I, I'm going to cut it short purposely, but just because I have thoughts about profits like every day that that pop up based on something somebody says or a thought about uh you know a scripture or uh, whatever about especially about my past experiences in seminary and so yeah if if I don't cover everything that I want to tonight I'm sure you'll get profits part two three four five seven and the reason why this is such a huge um deal, I think for me is because I, I, the more time that goes on, the more I think that the, the Mormon church is built on the foundation of prophets. And look, I know that Mormons say they're Christian. And again, I think I talked about this in a previous episode. Um, but you know what Mormons mean by Christian is we believe in, and we worship Jesus. So to that point, that's true. Uh, but to like a, a mainstream Christian, Mormons are not Christian. And I know the Mormon argument, it's right there in the name. That's not what we're talking about. It's just look up any Christian denomination and how they structure their organization, what they believe, how they feel about additional books, et cetera, et cetera. And so if Christian is solely somebody who believes in Jesus, then Mormons are Christian. But if it's based on what other Christians define as Christian, then Mormons aren't Christian. 
anyway, my point is, I know that Mormons say that they believe in Jesus and they do, and I'm not denying that, but ultimately I don't believe that, uh, the foundation of the church is Jesus. And I'm not saying that Mormons don't care about Jesus. I'm just saying when all is said and done at the moment in 2020, Mormons are more concerned about your obedience to and your sustaining, and I use that term very loosely, of prophets. Um, And by sustaining most current, active, faithful, whatever you want to call it, Mormons would say sustain means basically to agree with uh, or at a, at a min, not even at a minimum, but just don't disagree with them. It doesn't even have to be you agree. It's just don't disagree. Just accept whatever they say as, you know, it comes from God or it comes from a prophet. Even if you don't like it, just don't say anything about it. And we know what the Bible teaches and then and, and Joseph Smith you know, steals parts of the Bible and puts them in the Book of Mormon. But we know what the Bible teaches about um, foundations, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock. You know that song? I never learned it. I'm, I mean, I know it, but like I, I wasn't taught it as a kid. Like just kind of weird brainwashy songs. But anyway, um, I <clears throat> I just don't see the foundation of the church being anything but prophets. And if the foundation isn't Jesus, then things will start to crumble. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that we're seeing now. I think that Mormons have uh, focused on the 1950s American nuclear family, meaning like a mom and a dad married and just a nice little family, all like just a perfect little Mormon family and prophets. And I think the the struggle with that is what we see now, where you you really can't disagree without getting in in trouble, right? Like there's questions that talk about how you sustain, blah blah blah. So maybe I'll just start by by you kind of see my my uh, thesis statement up front that the foundation of the of the modern Mormon Church is quote unquote prophets. And that's the issue that the church has uh, found themselves in right now. If you worship prophets, or even if you come close to worshiping prophets, uh, you start to have some some major issues with people. And I think that's what many see. So kind of getting into it, uh, I wanted to maybe start by, by just the idea of DNC 21. Uh, remember, I'm driving, and so I'm just kind of going on memory right now. I think it's verse uh, 5 and 6. No, I think it's actually 6 and 7. 6 and 7. DNC 21, 6 and 7. That basically says um, that we should receive God's word as if it was from, uh, as speaking through, spoken through prophets, as if it was from the mouth of God himself. But then it says the most important part. So we love that as Mormon people, right? Like, yes, prophets speak with the mouth of God, the very voice of God. And I'm like, wow, that's an interesting voice you got there. But yeah, and then but we, we forget verse seven that says, uh, and, and you shall do this in all patience and in faith. And the, the question that gets asked, I, that should be asked is, why would you need patience and faith 
if this was the very mouth of God. Now you can answer that and say, uh, well, because what God asks is hard. And that that's a possible interpretation. Sure. Or it could be that prophets are going to mess up a lot and it's going to take patience and it's going to take faith to continue to believe in these, uh, in these men as prophets. And that is the scriptural definition of sustaining. Sustaining in terms of what the church says now or what people at least interpret the church saying now is definitely not what's happening uh, in DNC 21. In fact, in DNC 1 also, uh, DNC 1, not, not DNC 21, it talks about, you know, uh, like whether by my own voice or by the voice of my servants, it's the same. Uh, and we'll talk about that. I actually have an idea for maybe the next episode I want to do, which is on uh, misinterpreting or at least uh, new ways to view common verses. But my point is, is that we have this idea that prophets are always going to be right. They're always going to speak the voice of God. They'll never lead you astray, etc., etc. Uh, but that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say often that prophets are, are mortal, fallen, broken, and you're going to need patience and faith. And I guess this is where I, I kind of wanted to go into an article that I saw. I mean, I see a lot of articles about prophets and, and what have you, but uh, because that's, I, again, my thesis is that's really the foundation of the church. And I, I don't mean to say that it's not like a good idea. I just don't think that Mormon prophets have earned <laughs> this. This is going to sound bad uh, if you're like a super faithful Mormon, but it, it just looking back on history, I don't think that Mormon prophets have earned our respect and not in terms of like, you're not going to be a dick to them just because whatever, they get things wrong. I'm saying, I don't think they've earned us saying, yeah, these men, they really do speak for God. Because as we look over and over and over in the past, um, what we see is that they're, they're men who are doing the best they can. They're often white, old Utahns that have traveled the world, but only in a church capacity. They've only ever been Mormon. They only ever know Mormon culture. They grew up largely in Salt Lake area. We got a couple from Cache Valley, Ooh, real liberal life shaking out there, Cache Valley, you know? And, and so we just have such little diversity of thought. These, these men, they're doing, here's, here's what I would say about patience and faith. My patience is I absolutely believe that these guys are uh, trying the best they can with what they have. I think they're falling terribly short, like repeatedly terribly short. And I have patience for that. Like I don't expect, I personally don't expect these men to be more than just leaders of a church, right? They're old men that are are CEOs of an, of an organization, right? That's truly what the expectation I have of them is, uh, at least now. But that's not what we are asked to believe in them, right? We're asked to believe that they're prophets, seers, and revelators, that they can literally see the future. And that's what they say, and they have said, and I, I, I've heard it regularly, like, we see what you can't, we are watchmen on the tower, and we see the future, and so trust us that what we're saying is right. But it's so hard to do that when you keep saying, oh yeah, we got that wrong, we got that wrong, we got that wrong. And so this is what I mean where the foundation of the church, I think, is, is shaky, 
because we've built it on this idea of profits. Profits are, are good guys that are trying to be good guys. Uh, I think that there are also, you know, there is some maybe ulterior motives on keeping members of the church. I, I can't, I can't tell you, I don't hear their, their meetings. We just hear their conference talks. And so I want to assume the best because I, I believe the best in all people, right? I can't just believe that about people who I like and say, yeah, they're doing the best they can. I also want to believe it about people who I don't like or people that I struggle with. And so I do believe that they are trying the best they can. I also think they're just falling miserably short. The part that is harder for me with the sustaining idea of patience and faith is not the patience. I can have patience and I can even have compassion for them in being totally mortal and just messing up. The hard part is having faith. And we like to use faith, and and this should probably be an episode, as, as like a gap filler for when we don't know something right? So uh, there's an unanswered question and we say, well, just have faith. It's basically like, there's no good answer for this. So I'm just going to pretend like they're like, nope, just I, I, uh, I believe. And I just don't think that's healthy. But my point is, is that I, I don't know what it means to have faith in prophets. Does that mean that we believe that they have priesthood authority? I mean, look, there's just so much. So do you see what I'm saying about this topic getting bigger and bigger? And now you need to go back to the history and why didn't Joseph tell people about uh, receiving the Melchizedek priesthood and all of these things? Why why, why was this hidden and how can you know? And, and why, if the priesthood's real, can't they, you know, stop coronavirus? Uh, why can't somebody give a blessing to, you know, grow somebody's leg back at a, I already know the idea of, well, if it's God's will, and then to that point I say, so then why do you have priesthood if it's just about God's will? So anyway, all, all of this is just to say, I'm, I don't want to look, I'm super critical. I think this is a a big, 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 big deal, but I don't want to come off as like angry about it. Sometimes I am because I I feel like there's a lot of, you know, manipulation or at least things that look like manipulation involved. Um, But I I just think that one of the biggest problems with all of this is that if you even slightly critique a leader of the church or a past leader of the church, there is this instant like uh, you're on shaky ground. There's this instant uh, blaming, like, why are you so negative? Why are you an anti-Mormon? Why are you angry? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not. Like, we need to talk about these things so that we can move forward. Um, I think the church is, is in a conundrum now, right? Because they've already done this before with, uh, you know, with polygamy. They've already done this with the race and, and priesthood ban, and they've said, they've disavowed, right? McConkie says like, whatever I said in the past, like, forget it. I was working with insufficient light. And now that the light has come, like, you can trust that, like, move forward, right? We can try. And I'm just thinking, wait, but if you had limited light in the past, how can we trust that you don't have limited light now when you're telling us that we can't, you know, allow gay people to be full members of the church or gay families to be sealed. How can we, how can we trust you now? And if the answer is, well, just trust us because trust us, that that's a sucky answer. Like we don't, we shouldn't just trust somebody because they say, trust us. 
Like, don't your parents tell you not to do that when you're a kid? You're like growing up and there's like a creepy van and the guy's playing like weird ice cream truck music. And it's like, hey, kid, like come over here. It's like, oh, my mom told me not to talk to strangers. Like, it's okay. You can trust me. And you're like, okay, that's true. That's a good enough reason. Just trust you. Like, that's a stupid analogy, but you, you get what I'm saying? Like, trusting somebody just because they say trust you is not a good reason. Like, trust has to be earned. It's a similar thought to uh, Terrell and Fiona Givens, who say, you know, is, is God worth worshiping? Is God worth worshiping just because it's, it's God? And their answer is no. That's a terrible reason to worship God. Like we, we would only worship a God that is full of love for us. And that was like a, a groundbreaking thought for me where I thought, wait, but you have to worship God because it's God. And they're like, no, we don't. We don't have to worship him just because he's some ruler or there's some ruler, right? I like the plural God being, you know, a mother and father or whatever you want to call it, or just a they, the, per, perhaps the pronoun for God is God, Right but I definitely prefer they to he. But anyway, I just think like, that's a, that's such a great point. Like that God has to earn our love by loving us. And if that God loves us, then I think, okay, I'll worship that God. Same thing with prophets. Like prophets can be trusted only when they're trustworthy, (laughs) but if they're not trustworthy, then how can I trust them? It seems so simple, but it's, this is taboo. And like I said, if you if you even remotely bring this up, people get so freaked out, right? So freaked out. And I think the reason this matters so much to me is because for a long time in seminary, I was thinking people have some real honest struggles with the church. And so much of it can be solved if we just said, hey, these are just men. They're just messing up and just just trust that they're trying and take everything they say with a huge grain of salt. Uh, and, and we do say that like, well, it's a prophet. If he's speaking as a prophet, if he's speaking as a prophet, but if he's speaking as a man, then, but then if I say that the, I think the prophet's speaking as a man, then I've been deceived according to Mormons, right? Like I can't literally, they say you can't get a revelation that is contrary to what the leader of the church has said. And, so then how can I, how can I ever know for myself that he's speaking as a man? Basically the answer becomes, well, he's never speaking as a man. He's always speaking as a prophet. And then I say, but they've messed up before. And they've said that it's just speaking as a man. It's like, well, those may have been policies, but never doctrine. I'm like, no, but they said they were doctrines, right? Like there's so much that they said was doctrine, the Adam God doctrine, blood atonement, like, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things, like the, just all, there's so much. And so I think that it will be super messy for the church. Uh, and, and I, I just think the only sustainable way to keep my generation, the generation younger than me, uh, if, if the church cares about this idea of growing, right. Even though they're, you know, point, what, 0.8%, 0.08% of the world, you know, truly filling the whole earth. But my point is, sorry, that was like, I mean, we just need to remember how small we are. But what I'm saying is, if that's the focus and they're like, we want to grow, we want to grow. 
the church absolutely is going to have to change their conversation about what it means to be a prophet, what prophets do, how they act, what revelations they receive. If they, if they just want to continue to double and triple and quadruple down on this idea that prophets speak for God and they don't get things uh, wrong or doctrines wrong, whatever, you know, they want to say, uh, then that's fine. They can go that direction. I just think there's going to be more and more and more and more people that are going to say, well, I don't, I don't need this. Like it's, demonstrably true that you guys mess up on stuff and, and it's hard to trust you. Somebody mentioned, it's kind of like, um, you know, if I do something wrong and Rachel and I both, and and again, importantly, I know it's wrong, but Rachel knows it's wrong. And she's like, Hey, you did that wrong. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And she's like, no, you did. And you know, you did. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, I, nope, I, I never do wrong. She's kind of like, look, just just admit that you did wrong. It's like, Mm-mm, I didn't. Maybe sometimes I do wrong, but I didn't do wrong here. Like that, That's what it feels like. It, it makes you feel crazy where it's like, wait, you can't just say that you're wrong. Just admit that you're wrong. And then people will say things like, well, they do. We never say that they're infallible. You know, we say that they're men. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say the right words, but the the feeling, the action doesn't ever come through that way. There's that old saying or that it's like just kind of a dumb thing, but it's like uh, Catholics teach that the Pope is infallible, meaning can't fall, can't make mistakes, but nobody believes it. And Mormons teach that the prophet's fallible, but nobody believes it, right? Like that's, that's how it feels. There's a reason that's a common saying. So I, I just wanted to maybe mention that. I, I think we need, oh man, moving forward, I don't. I don't see a sustainable way where the church can grow, truly grow. And not I'm not talking about Africa because right now the growth in Africa is what's making all the major losses in North America seem not so bad. But honestly, if you take away the, the growth in Africa, oh boy, church is not doing well at all in North America. And it's never done well in Europe and it will continue to decrease in Europe too. And so if they want to, if, if the church wants to grow, they're going to have to change this conversation. But the fact that we can't even have the conversation because it's too taboo says quite a bit. And some of you might be saying, no, we can't have that. And I, to that, I'd say, I dare you, not, uh, dare is not the right word. Have this conversation with your parents, with your, your spouse or whoever, uh, if they're truly believing and be like, hey, I don't think prophets are right about, you know, a lot of stuff and see what the response is. Uh, make this comment in Sunday school. Right. When we're talking about profits and I guarantee you, you're going to talk about profits whenever coronavirus stops and you're actually in Sunday school. It's going to happen every week because that's what, again, my thesis, that's the foundation of Mormonism at present. And so make this comment and see what happens. And again, I can say this with confidence because as a seminary teacher, my focus was, I thought, to build faith in Jesus. And so I was completely content throwing especially past profits quote unquote, under the bus, but also modern prophets with Nelson, (laughs) with the whole Mormon thing. It's a victory for Satan. I think I talk about this in that Satan episode, but a victory for Satan, but Monson spends millions of dollars. So again, it's like, wait, you told me to do the whole, I'm a Mormon thing. Like, how can I trust that that was from God? But then Nelson says it was a victory for Satan. It's a stupid example, but it's just one of them. Right. And, uh, Again, I just don't, 
I just don't see the, I was on going somewhere and then I got distracted by something I saw when I was driving. But so now I, I lost my train of thought, but the idea being that like, you, we have to just open up this conversation. Oh, it was about seminary. That's what it was. So I was fine throwing past profits under the bus and current profits and say, Hey, what's the deal with this? But I got, uh, you know, a couple of crazy parents. There's always crazy parents. And you know that. And honestly, most of the students were like, yeah, thank you. This is what I wanted to hear for a long time. This only makes sense. But then there's always that one kid that like, uh, he's not even like scripturally smart. He's just like scripturally intense. And he like loves Elder Oaks. He's like, yes, he speaks the pure doctrine with power. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Basically, it just means he says mean things and tries to make it clear, like, because he is just boring. But I people that like love Oaks were the people that like hated my, my class and, uh, or parents especially too. And I remember one of the things I got in trouble with, which by the way, I'll have to have a full episode on this, uh, my experience in seminary, maybe two for each, each one of where I almost got fired. But the second time I almost got fired, one of the major things was that I was causing people to doubt their faith and profits. And to that, I, I remember saying, I'm like, I'm not supposed to create faith in prophets. I'm supposed to create faith in Jesus. And if prophets are leading people away from Jesus, or if it's hard for people to have faith in prophets because they're messing up, it's not my responsibility, right? Like my responsibility is to turn kids to Jesus. And so the easy message always was, well, yeah, prophets get it wrong, but it's okay. Like we don't need them. We need Jesus. And they have Jesus. Yay, Jesus. You know, like that, to me, that was like a faith promoting lesson. Where it's, wow, aren't we so grateful that these dudes are trying their best and sucking, but it ultimately doesn't matter because we have the Savior. Uh, and, and you know, I took down the pictures of the 12. I, why do we have them? It's so weird that we have their picture everywhere. And I took down their picture and I put up extra pictures of Jesus because, again, isn't that Nelson's whole thing? We're supposed to be focusing on the correct name of the church? Or is it just that? And it's not actually the other things that need to be changed, right? Like, so I'm taking it literally like you say, hey, we're Christian. We want to talk about Jesus, focus on Jesus, say the name of the church, Jesus, Jesus. And so I'm like, cool, let's take down the prophets. Let's put up Jesus. And one of the pieces of feedback that I got was you need to take down your Jesus pictures and put back up the pictures of prophets. And I was just like, that's do you, like the, the symbolism of that is so disgusting. Hey, take down Jesus and put up these these men. Well, they're not just men. They're, I Listen to what you're saying. There's too much Jesus in your classroom. Put up men. And it's just, do you see what I mean? Like, and trust me when I tell you it was not just this one leader. It was almost every seminary teacher. It was multiple parents, students, leaders, et cetera, et cetera. Right? It's always about leaders. So I also maybe just wanted to mention um, this really just horrible article. Uh, I hate it like so much. Hold on. Rachel texts me and I'm driving. So I have to stop real quick. Okay. Rachel's my wife. I was told, uh, Hey, some people that are listening may not know who Rachel is. So anyway, I just wanted to, uh, highlight this really just disgusting is not the right word because again, that implies like just bad, but it's just a really crappy article 
um, that I saw posted from someone I, I knew back on my mission. And I'll maybe just read the, the comment. Uh, way too many, all caps, of our good brothers and sisters are being misled and deceived. Hopefully this can be helpful. And so I just think this is, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what this crappy article is about. And the title of it uh, sounds harmless enough, innocent enough. How should we respond if we think a former prophet said something wrong? And to that, I'd already say, well, not think, they did say something wrong. (laughs) It's not if we think they did, it's they did, right? Uh, So already they can't. You'll, I, I, part of me doesn't want to link to this in the description because I don't want you to read it, but the other part of me does because I, I want to just read it to you, but I also don't. So you'll have to read it and just be disgusted. Again, not because it's like evil. It's just like you can see how it doesn't add up. But basically, uh, this dude is talking about his experience, like when he saw something wrong, when he was like researching something, like a prophet said something weird. Let's see. Many years ago, I was studying a doctrinal topic in the BYU library when I came across an old discourse from an early church leader. As I read the talk, I quickly recognized that what I was reading was not doctrinally correct. Now, how how did you recognize that? Right? Because weren't prophets right? And prophets always speak doctrine. So how... And they'll always get the doctor. You see what I mean? And so how do we trust that this guy's opinion wasn't deception from Satan? Anyway, I knew it was wrong because it contradicted the standard works and the teachings of living prophets. Okay. So now a prophet today could say something that makes everything that was said in the past incorrect. Okay. Um, that's fair. But then can't we just say, well, in 40 years from now, somebody's just going to come and contradict everything that living prophets are saying today. So what's the point? Or also the standard works, man, we need to have a whole thing on um, the church's stance on, on LGBT individuals because there is no scriptural backing for it, like at all. So uh, the standard works are a good measure, then they're not doing that right. Anyway, my, do you see, you see the conundrum that they're already in? It's just messy. If you're willing to say, Hey, these guys could be wrong. If you're willing to say that, then you, you, there's some big issues with the logic here. He said, I was confused how this early apostle who is usually so inspired and instructive. Do you ever notice that it always has to be like, he's a good man. Like it, you always have to lead with, I'm a faithful member of the church and I don't hate, hate the prophets, but there's, do you see what I'm saying? There always has to be this like softening, like, please don't get mad at me. That's to me, that's a warning sign. It's not like a sign of faith. It's like, why do you even have to say that? Why can't you just be open and say, Hey, this guy got something wrong. Why does it have to be so soft and dance around and tiptoed? Well, because we don't want to offend. Why? That's the point. Why are we so afraid of that? Anyway, he says, as I be reflected on this and began to have critical thoughts of this good man, the Lord rebuked me. Ugh, that idea, the Lord rebuked me. He just, he just called me to repentance. I'm like, oh dear. To my mind and heart came these words from the spirit. Was it actually words? It, that's another thing about revelation. Um, good gracious. 
It's just, you can call anything revelation. Nephi called murder revelation. So anyway, he says, Mark, that's the guy's name. He spells it with a K, so you know it's not inspired. But anyway, mine's spelled with a C. Mark, I called this man to be my apostle. If you don't condemn him for his mistakes, maybe I won't condemn you for yours. And I mean, that's a fine idea-ish, I guess. Uh, but the idea that maybe <laughs> God won't, maybe God, maybe I won't be mean to you, but you know, maybe I still could be. Or then the idea that like, <laughs> like God will only forgive us if we forgive other people because God is like not omnipotent and he can't actually forgive. Like you see it, it just doesn't. And then if people are like, you're taking it too literally, it's just the feeling. I'm like, he's the one that put it in quotes. <laughs> he quoted it. He said, the spirit spoke clearly to me. I'm like, so that's the voice of God, huh? It's like, well, I met, it felt like, I'm like, oh, so you just named what you felt revelation. Well, I'm like, yeah, that's okay. You can, you can, you can have feelings and call it revelation, but that doesn't mean it is. Anyway, it's like, I learned a powerful lesson. I learned that a prophet could be inspired and still make a mistake. <laughs> not multiple, just a mistake. I learned that our church leaders are not infallible as some other churches claim. Like, don't you dare bash any other church about this guy. I hate that. Like, you don't know. I guarantee this guy has not. I mean, I can't guarantee it. But I really think this guy doesn't know crap about most other churches, to be honest. But it just sounds good. It's like, yeah, other churches, they suck, but we're good. Yeah, anyway, he says, but the, their mistake do not mistakes do not disqualify them from service or justify us in rejecting them. Now, he's going to go into this whole thing about what to do with this information. And uh, I, anyway, Rachel was like, hey, do you want to go sit outside? So that's what I'm going to do right now. And then I'll get back to this. And uh, so if you hear like a weird break in the action, you know what it is. But yeah, this dude, I, I can't go over the whole thing because it's, it's bad. But let's just say um, it sucks. Okay. Okay, so I'm back. Um, just wanted to maybe go through this article. Because remember, I, I don't do a ton of research on these things. I, kind of the, the idea of what I've been doing is... Whenever something catches my attention, uh, mainly like a current event or an article, instead of uh, just posting it on Instagram, I'm doing a podcast to give you some extended thoughts. The idea that I could maybe just talk about it myself, but also so that you can listen to it when you're out on the go. Uh, I'm not looking into this a ton. I'm not looking up references. Majority of the time I'm driving, and so I am, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm just talking. Right? It's easier for me to think as I just kind of drive. Um, otherwise, I feel like I'm just going crazy just talking to myself in my basement. Uh, and people think that I'm talking on the phone if I'm driving, uh, you know, in the car with my AirPods in. So that makes me look not insane. But yeah, I, I don't do a ton of like research before this. So if you want to do more digging, you have to do more digging. If I get something wrong, I get something wrong. It's because it's off the top of my head. 
I haven't planned it out. I don't have a script I'm going from. I don't even have bullet points I really want to talk about. It's just kind of ideas floating in my mind. And so if you want more, you got to do more digging. I, I just want to open up the conversation, share some of my thoughts and say, hey, you can do this too. Just so you know, you can have these thoughts, even if you don't have every answer. Guys, I, 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 am, I was a professional teacher of religion for seven years. Like this is my background. I have a master's in education. I I feel like I know these things pretty well as a professional religious teacher. And so, uh, I know that I have that, but my, my point is, is that with a little bit of research, uh, and hopefully I'm maybe giving a catalyst here, you can do some more digging too and find some thoughts for yourself. And I'd love if you, you know, contributed, uh, your ideas on my Instagram or or what have you. I just want to know what you're learning, what you're thinking. And I'm fine being the catalyst for that. All of that is to say, uh, I, am not doing a ton of digging in on, on these things beforehand. It's not my objective. There's others that do that and, and do that better. Uh, people that aren't using their iPhone and, uh, AirPods to record a podcast. Those are probably people you should trust with their podcasting ability. Anyway, this article, he goes over some stuff. I know I was talking about it before he, uh, I'm just going to highlight some things that stood out to me and that doesn't mean in a good way. It just means things that stood out to me. Uh, and I'll just maybe give some thoughts, uh, after his whole, I called this man to be, I'll forgive you if you forgive him or something. And he bashed other churches. Okay. Where are we? Okay. Yeah. Um, he quotes Uchtdorf who says there's been times when leaders have made mistakes like, okay, cool. So where, talk about it more clearly. No, you don't want to do that. Oh, got it. Uh, the strategy of many modern critics of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is to dig up an old quote from an early church leader that, although not usually controversial at the time is now offensive to our modern sensitivities or out of harmony with our living prophets. These quotes are then thrown in the face of unsuspecting church members on social media without the context or historical understanding to make sense of them. The hope of these critics is that the shock of this will destroy faith and undermine support of prophets. Unfortunately, it sometimes works. It's like, well, dude, you don't know anything about the hope. It's so much of, hey, we've been taught these dudes are perfect and they don't make mistakes like what you're saying. The Lord will never let us lead lead you astray. Okay, so then here's a quote that looks pretty crappy. Well, stop throwing it in our face. It's like, well, I didn't say the quote, guy. I remember I got in trouble um, with seminary and one teacher in particular was like, well, where'd you get these quotes? I'm like, who cares where I got them? I didn't say them. They're not my quotes. They're quotes from actual church leaders, right? Stop worrying. Like, was this from a good source? It's like, they said it, put the blame on them. Why are you looking at me? Somebody else, some other leader was like, well, do they need to know that? I'm like, well, why are we hiding it? What, what, well, if it makes their faith weak. It's like, wait, their faith gets weak because they're not being talked to about this stuff. Not because the, not because of what's said. The fact that you can't even talk about it is way more damaging than what's said. Although the what's said is pretty crappy too, because eventually people are going to find out. And so if you try to hide it, it's just going to be doubly bad because they're going to, they're going to hear it and be like, Hey, this sucks. And they're going to say, why didn't you talk to me? Um, he says, what should our response be? Let's begin by identifying how not to respond. So I've seen some church members respond to discovering these quotes uh, by joining the critics of the church and publishing and spreading these errors and mistakes to the world. They have been deceived by who? 
this idea of being deceived, man, like Satan whispers to me, I think it's bull crap. Like, I think it sucks. The idea that, that Satan whispers in my ears, I just think it's so stupid. They have been deceived into thinking that quote, exposing others to these quotes in this way will somehow be helpful to them and will force the church to change a policy they don't like. It's like, wait, time out, man. Like why, why are you, why are you putting quotes and why wouldn't it be helpful? Do you think it's better to hide it in the ground? Like I, I, why would it be better to do it that way? This is what they don't seem to recognize that this is a form of apostasy. So the danger in this behavior was summarized powerfully. Anyone who says stuff like that is just like by the prophet Joseph Smith, who taught it is an eternal principle, blah, 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 blah. That as soon as you begin to question church leaders, that man will is on his way to apostasy. Uh, it's just, I, I just don't. Uh. So how should we respond when we come across a quote from a former prophet that does not seem to be in harmony with our living prophets? Uh, it's just so frustrating to me, man. When we see something we are sure about from a former prophet, we should respond the way our living prophets do, with humility, fairness, patience, and faith. Let me explain. And then he starts off by saying, like, hey, let's make sure that we are nice to people and don't don't think of them as mean. I'm like, look, man, I can say that what they think is crappy and that they are wrong and still think that they're good people. They're not mutually exclusive, right? Saying somebody is, is wrong or or not getting things right doesn't mean I'm being a jerk to them, right? It's just, and then he gives some stupid story about like some guy that was too prideful because Joseph spelled his name. It's just all the stupid stories. This is Monday school about the things you didn't hear in Sunday school, not the things you do hear in Sunday school, because you will hear enough about this crap every week anyway. Um, And then he, this new favorite, the second one is respond with fairness. One of the very popular uh, approaches from apologists right now, an apologist is somebody who basically like defends the church against critique, which by the way, why does truth need a defense? Wouldn't truth just be truth? Are there scientific apologists? I don't know. It just seems like there's scientists, but whatever. Um, one of the big things they do is like, you have to know the context of what they said. Like, yes, Brigham Young said that, you know, black people will never receive the priesthood. And Harold B. Lee said that if you ever mix like my daughter with a black man, that blah, blah, blah. Like we'll have to go into, we'll have to have a lesson on that too. I'll have to have actual quotes. I'm telling that's real though. Or J. Reuben Clark says, Hey, we should probably have separate blood banks because we don't want to mix the blood of white people with the blood of people of color. That's real. Like, uh, they would want me to say, well, the context at the time was that it was okay to say that. I'm like, wait, no, that, that wasn't because the people at the time said, uh, there were people at the time who said what they said, but there's also a lot of people who didn't say crappy things like that. And so the point is like, you can't just say, if you know the context, the historical background, it would all make sense. I'm like, no, it actually wouldn't. Like, it is never okay to be racist. It's like, just because it was more acceptable then doesn't mean that everybody thought that way and that it was always okay. That's stupid. But that's what this guy's trying to tell us to do. Well, if you know the context there, it makes total sense, right? It's just dumb. So, um, yeah, the next one is responding with patience, where he quotes uh, McConkie, who's like, forget everything that I said before. Uh, it's just like... I don't, 
uh, he's McConkie literally said, we spoke with a limited understanding and without the light and knowledge that has now come into the world. We get our truth and our light line upon line and precept upon precept. We have now had added a new flood of intelligence and light on this particular subject. And it erases all the darkness and all the views and all the thoughts of the past. They don't matter anymore. It doesn't make a particle of difference what anybody ever said about this matter before the first day of June of 1978. And that's not an, people will be like, yeah, they owned, this is about the race and, and the, the race ban on priesthood and temple. Yeah. They, they apologize. I'm like, that's not an apology. He specifically said, it doesn't matter what we said. We're just not saying that now. That's literally not an apology at all, but that's what they, he's saying to do. Like, just move forward. Just trust. Like we get revelation, be patient. And I'm like, and then this quote, Oh boy. This is from the uh, author of this stupid article. We must be patient and recognize that hearts have changed and will continue to change as more light comes on both sides of the veil. Which, by the way, that phrase has like never been said by members of the church until Nelson started saying it. Like, we do missionary work on both sides of the veil. Now everyone's like, on both sides of the veil. We love that. You know, it's so lame. He says, instead of worrying about them, we should be worrying about ourselves and repenting of any lingering racism we have in our own hearts, just as we have been invited to do by our living prophet. It's like, wait, why can't it be both? Why can't we worry about ourselves and say, hey, you guys claim to speak for literal God, but you get this wrong. Why can't we hold people accountable? Holding people accountable isn't shaming them, even if people feel shame for it. Right? I just... Ugh. Then uh, his last point, responding with faith means we give prophets the benefit of the doubt and focus on their many inspired statements rather than the few uninspired ones. Like, I I get it. We want to see the good, but Mormons want to see the good by not ever seeing the bad. The only sustainable way forward is to see both good and bad and make a decision. But if you say, no, 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 don't even look at the bad, just see the good, and then make people feel bad for seeing the bad, that's a problem. You haven't created space for people to feel welcome. So that needs to change immediately. But it's not going to, because this article was literally just written and people are enjoying it, because of course they are. And he quotes Bednar. You guys, I don't, I, like part of me wants you to read it, but then the other part of me doesn't want you to read it like I'm not scared of you reading it because what's going to happen I just it's just it just makes my stomach hurt I don't know and then he, he has this story to finish up uh that person is not truly converted until he sees the power of God resting upon the leaders of this church and until it goes down into his heart like fire it's like uh I was pretty committed like I was a seminary teacher I don't know how much more committed you want me to be we can see this power rest upon our leaders past and present, even if they're not perfect. Then he says, years ago, Carl Mazur, and by the way, the middle initial, I skipped the middle initial because I think it's so stupid. I didn't want to give Remy a middle name because I, if he ever, you know, was Mormon, it'd be like Remy M. Osland. I hate it. Why? What is that? It's such a Mormon thing. It's like so weird to me. But anyway, he's like Carl G. Mazur. Carl Mazur led a group of missionaries across the Alps. As they looked back, he saw a row of sticks stuck in the snow to mark the path of safety through this dangerous trail. Pointing to these sticks, he turned to the missionary and said, Brethren, there stands the priesthood of God. They are just common sticks like the rest of us. (laughs) 
I love that image. See those sticks? That's the priesthood. <laughs> like, I know he's giving an object lesson, but that's a hilarious thought. Uh, but the position they hold makes them what they are to us. If we step aside from the path they mark, we are lost. Lost where? To what? Jesus can't get us back? What are we worried about? It's like, well, even if the leaders of the church get it wrong and you follow them, you'll be safe. Safe from what? What are we, what are we safe from? What are we running from? What are we scared of? If we truly believe in the Savior, if we truly believe in Jesus, there's nothing to be afraid of. Right? It, Jesus makes everything safe. Church leaders always say, stay in the boat. But Jesus is literally on the water in the actual New Testament. Not a quote from Brigham Young. Right? Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Jesus in the actual New Testament is out on the water. And what happens when Peter's like, Jesus, I want to come see you on the water. Jesus says, come, Peter, come on the water. Leave the boat and come out on the water to find me. Maybe we need to start trusting that we can find Jesus, right? And that we're not going to be lost, okay? If the only way we'll be lost is if it's based on what the current church is. And to that, I say, why are we worried about losing that? It's not something we need to keep. It's just, I don't know. It's just messy to me. And it just feels like I just hate it. I, I mean, and then he ends, thank God for choosing those sticks, flaws and all, and placing them where he has, exclamation point. May we, anyone that says may we, I'm like, oh gosh, you're just trying so hard to be general authority. May we always be wise enough to follow them and appreciate them, exclamation point. May we always be among those who are loyal to the prophets of God, exclamation point. Anyway, I, I don't know what else I want to say on this. Um, I hope you guys will have thoughts because I know this is like a taboo type topic. Um, and I certainly know that I did not cover all of my thoughts on prophets, but I wanted to maybe get that first little bit out, out there uh, so that this didn't keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And maybe just this article was a good catalyst for it. And, uh, and yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts and uh, let me know what else I need to talk about. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of uh, Monday School. Sorry if this is too long for you or if it's not long enough. Uh, I'm just kind of going. I'm not, I don't have like a set time limit. Obviously, when I feel more passionate, it's going to go a little bit longer. Uh, if I have more time, it's going to go a little bit longer. So, yeah, I uh, just appreciate you listening. Uh, if you enjoy this, let me know. Send me a message on Instagram. Uh, share it with a friend. Let me know what you'd like to talk about more on this subject or others. And I just appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks for giving me the uh, encouragement to keep going on this. Have an awesome rest of your day, guys.